0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 32 of the Building Strength Podcast. It's your boy, Theo Lim, coming at you today from the car. So, early apology if there's lots of wind noise or just outside noise. Sorry about that, but this is... Uh the time that I've allotted to record today's podcast. Um, so I currently just finished up at Loud Talks Performance. It's Thursday, 4 p.m. I'm headed to Carpio Strength and Conditioning now. I've got two small group sessions tonight. So I'm fired up about. Uh, oh, I'm fired up about. I'm fired up about today's podcast because I. It was a really good question that I got from some uh, follower on Instagram. Shoutouts to the Malcolm. Um, So I'm fired up about answering today's question. Um, I got to be honest, some weeks it is harder to think of what topic to talk about or yeah, in general, just like, oh, what the hell am I going to talk about for half an hour? So it is very helpful when you guys come up with uh, good questions to ask me. So I'm always open to those questions. Just driving by the Toronto skyline, got some gloomy clouds over it. It's beautiful, I love that shit. Anyway, so let's cut to the chase. After this quick announcement from our sponsor, the Loving Kindness Meditation. So let's take 10 seconds out of our day to take a couple deep breaths and wish two people in your life wish happiness for them so you don't have to say anything just think of it think of the person visualize what they look like and wish happiness for them so let's take 10 seconds right here that's awesome you guys feel better because i feel better so today's question How do you go about training your 50 plus year old clients? Or how do you go about training older clients? All right, so I've, I can definitely say that I've had some good experience now with the older clientele. Older meaning 45 plus, 40, 45 plus. So I've trained, I haven't trained that many people in that age range. But I do feel like I've trained. The ones that I have trained, I've trained for a while now. Um, So I've trained maybe about 10 people. Maybe more than 10. Like, Yeah, so I've trained about, let's say, 10 people in that age range. But a couple of them I've been training for a while now. Like a year, two years. Coming up on two years for a few of them. And it is definitely different than training, say, a 20-year-old or a 15-year-old. But I just want to preface all of this by saying that just because someone is older doesn't mean that you necessarily have to treat them as, a, as an older client. Just, like just because someone is younger doesn't necessarily mean that they can perform like a young person. Why I'm saying this is because I've had 22 year olds walk into the gym and they move like like they're 50 because they haven't taken care of themselves at all. Um, And I've, in the opposite scenario, I've had 50 year olds come in who move like they're 25. And that's awesome too so this whole podcast episode is gonna be yes it's gonna mainly reflect the older clientele but the same principles apply for uh for a younger person who is fairly who is pretty inactive and immobile and just out of shape so i put this on instagram the first couple things that came to my mind when he asked me that question Like, how do you approach older clientele? So the first thing I wrote is definitely do a thorough assessment to see where their mobility and strength levels are. Like, take your time with that. Really figure out how they can move, how they aren't able to move. Um, Get their injury history. I mean, this is every client, but when you're talking about older clients, like. Very, very important. Number two, understand their goals. You need to figure out what they're looking to do. Like, maybe they just wanna be in better shape so that they can play with their grandkids. Um, Like, because for me, I come from a strength training background. Just because I barbell squat and just because I deadlift with the bar, doesn't necessarily mean that my 50-year-old client needs to deadlift with the bar right so you need to understand their goals you need to understand like why they came to you and what they think you can help them with and then I wrote in general I give older clients lots of core work lots of sled work lots of carries loaded carries and a lot of bodyweight exercises and within the exercise selections you always have to keep in mind the risk reward ratio as in how much risk is involved in this exercise and how much reward can they actually derive from doing that exercise lastly i wrote just to give a couple examples on instagram trx rows push-ups lunges glute bridge variations sled drags sled pushes those are my go-to's those are all relatively safe so let's take a step back so do a thorough assessment do a thorough assessment of course to figure out where their strength is but also where their uh, mobility levels are so, in terms of mobility levels, you're gonna have you're gonna wanna test their shoulders, um, how their shoulder joint is moving, what kind of shape their shoulder's in. You wanna see where their spine's at, how much movement do they have in their spine. And of course, you wanna check their hips. And lastly, you wanna check out their ankles. Like those are the four main touch points. You kind of just wanna figure out how that person is able to move how much can that person do like how much can that person reach over their head or how much can that person like do like what does a forward bend look like for them those are just a couple examples Um, so you want to see where they're at there and then in terms of strength levels for for my first for my initial assessment, I usually do I'll check out their squat. I'll see if they're I'll ask them to just do a couple of air squats and we'll go from there. Whether that means they can do squats, whether that means we have to squat to a box. Or maybe we're not even squatting at all. Like I've had people who I saw them do a couple air squats. I tried to cue them and help them out with it and it wasn't happening, which is all right. In that case, I usually go to step ups. Um, Step ups are a great tool that I found to be very helpful for all my clients across the board, but especially older or weaker or even like very immobile people. So I'll do a squat test. And from there, I'll kind of see where we can go. So, I do number one squat test. Number two, I'll do a uh, TRX row, body row, just to see how strong they are there. And then, third one, I'll do a push up test. Uh, most people I found can't do push ups on the ground initially, that's fine. Just set up the rack, just set up the, the uh, safety pins on a power rack. And you can put a barbell there and they're kind of doing incline push-ups off the barbell so those are my three for the strength component and then from there it's really like even before that it's really understanding what the hell they're doing in there right what they want to get out of this like maybe this old person older person just wants to do um maybe they miss hitting the gym and they want to lift like they wanna work up to being able to do dumbbell benching, maybe barbell benching even. Um, But for me personally, most of my clients, it's like they wanna get into better shape, they wanna lose some excess fat that they've put on over the years, and they just wanna be able to move better and feel better, which is great because I can help them out with that. So really understand where they're at, and then from there, In terms of their actual workouts, the template of the workout doesn't change. As I've said in previous podcasts, I structure my workouts, my training, based off of the six movement patterns. Squatting, hinging, lunging, pushing, pulling, and carrying stuff. So those are the six movement patterns that I structure everything around. So, say my older client, they can't squat. We're not gonna do a barbell back squat. That would not be the most ideal thing. But say their like, goblet squat looks pretty solid. So we're gonna goblet squat, no problem. I find a lot of times we have to goblet squat to a box. Sorry guys, it's raining pretty hard now, so I really hope that it's not too loud. So we're goblet squatting to a box. And then in terms of a hinging movement, yes, the main one is deadlifting, but most of the time I'm not gonna have my people, like, I'll teach them how to hinge at some point, but it really depends on the person. Um, So what I often end up doing is like, we'll end up doing lots of glute bridges or glute bridge variations in general. We'll start with glute bridge, then we'll do a single leg glute bridge, then maybe we'll do feet elevated glute bridges, and then eventually transitioning the person to uh, hip thrust. From there, we can generally do banded hip thrust, or bodyweight hip thrust, or even single leg hip thrust. So there's lots of options there. I do have them, most of my clients will end up learning how to do the Romanian deadlift. I like to teach the Romanian deadlift. The hinging is important because it teaches them how to pick stuff up off the ground or pick up their grandchild off the ground. So in terms of hinging, it doesn't have to be the straight bar deadlift. I like the trap bar deadlift or I like the Romanian deadlift, the top down approach. So a trap bar I like because it's super accessible. Obviously the person would have done kettlebell deadlifts before progressing into a trap bar deadlift. And then the RDL will do a kettlebell variation, kettlebell RDL, and we could usually stick to that and get pretty strong. So then we have the lunge variation. i found that if someone can't doesn't have the mobility to squat older people i have found that most of them can still do some kind of lunge, whether that's lateral lunges or reverse lunges and if that's not an option step ups are always an option So, so we have step ups we have reverse lunges we have lateral lunges those are all excellent options for single leg work And I found that when you hammer those in, it will bring up their strength and in turn, and it also brings up their stability. So really you just have to continue to address their mobility on the side. And you do that for long enough, I have found that this actually does help their squat, just because they have more strength, they have more stability. and. As they continue to come to the gym, they will develop more mobility as well. So those are the first three. And then we have the upper body push and upper body pull. Depending on the person's injury history, I found like, okay, the two main things that people have a harder time with is, number one, hip mobility. And number two, um, thoracic mobility, T-spine mobility. So if their T-spine mobility is jacked up, then yeah, overhead pressing is probably not gonna happen, which is fine. Because, you know, it it may not be that necessary if they don't have access to it. So in terms of upper body pushing, upper body pulling, body weight is always a great start. So as I said earlier, push-ups and TRX rows those are my bread and butter those are my go-to's and then from there we have for the pushing we can do all kinds of dumbbell variations dumbbell incline dumbbell dumbbell flat bench dumbbell floor press and then within that you can do one arm you can do alternating so there's lots of options with simply just dumbbell benching dumbbell pressing lots of options and there's even overhead dumbbell pressing Same thing with the uh, pulling movements. You can do a one-arm row. You can do a two-arm bent-over row. Um, You can do like plank rows, renegade rows, body rows. And then depending on where they're at with their mobility, chin-ups are also an option. So i found over time, like you do realize that there are a lot of options for the older people um, or for the more immobile clients. Number six, last one, we have the farmer's carries, the loaded carries. These are a staple in my programming. They're efficient and they're excellent bang for the buck. And if you want to talk about functional training, I hate that term, but if you want to talk about functional training, it doesn't get much more functional than picking up some heavy weights and walking with it. It really doesn't. Because in real life, if you do groceries, that's exactly what you're doing. Or I'm sure you've seen, or you've done it yourself, you might have to pick your kid up and carry him him or her in one arm while you're walking, right? So loaded carries. As functional as it gets so we have suitcase carries that's just one side you're carrying a dumbbell or a kettlebell on one side only farmers carries you're carrying two weights you can do a front rack carry there's also so there's a front rack carry there's an overhead carry as well and then from there, there's other implements we can utilize. We can utilize heavy medicine balls, carrying it by the chest, maybe by the shoulder. We can carry sandbags with the Zercher grip. So you just hook a sandbag under your elbows, keep your elbows nice and high. Again, lots of options in this loaded carry movement pattern. And then number seven, I'm gonna add a number seven just for the more immobile or elderly clients. Sled work is the key right here. Sled work, like if I just put someone on sleds, had them do a bunch of carries, had them do some push ups, some lunges, like we'd be good. So, sled work. Why I love sled work is that there's very little risk of injury. Like you really have to fuck it up to get hurt on sleds. So we can do backwards walking sled drags. We can do forward walking sled drags. We can do lateral sled drags, right? So those are the sled drag options. Then we can push the sled. So we can push it high bar, we can push it low bar. We can run with it, we can walk with it. So many options here. So that's the sled. And then there's core work. Core work makes up a lot of the programming for the elderly clients. Like what I often do is I'll just superset, say, lunges with side planks or um, TRX rows with pal presses. So I love core work. Um, all the loaded carry stuff. Also, we can do all the paloff press variations all the plank variations so we have the carries we have the planks and then we have the um, paloff presses and then of course there's like rollouts there's i also like if the person has decent grip strength and overhead mobility i like doing the hanging hanging leg raises I find those are super beneficial, not just for the elderly, but for everyone. Just because again, if we're talking about functional strength, like why shouldn't we be able to hang from something and hold our body weight up for like 30 seconds? You know, if we're talking about being strong, why shouldn't we be able to do that? So those are my go to exercise variations. So in terms of actually training them, I have found that, not all the time, but older elderly clients kind of give me better feedback regarding how their body's feeling that day, Um, whether they're feeling maybe a little tight today, maybe not, but so that's one thing. Um, with elderly clients I mean with all clients but I'm talking especially with elderly clients depending on their injury history depending on what they're currently dealing with you really have to be on top of the auto regulation for them like you really have to figure out how they're feeling that day like okay is today the day that we do lunges maybe not maybe we'll settle for some sled work or I found, I just find like, you know, elderly people, they're a bit more, um, depending on their injury history, right? It really depends on their injury history. But I have found that working with them has been, it's been great. Um, I like working with elderly clients. I'm not sure I would want to work with like purely all elderly clients. But I do find that they are more in tune with their body just because I guess they've lived in their body longer and they probably are experiencing some sort of aches and pains so you really just have to be smart about how you're programming things whether you're doing too much or too little and of course like you really got to be careful with what you're giving them like you really really got to be careful with that because I'm not going to give my 50 year old client some box jumps Like that's probably not the best thing for me to do Um, I could give them something less intensive but like and also things like things that come to my mind right now I generally Again, it depends on the person but something like kettlebell swings wouldn't be at the top of my mind. I Guess in general like the high intensity stuff Not really Like a lot of jumping or high intensity stuff that requires you to Be aware of the body so I'm not gonna give my older clients burpees I might once in a while just to test them. I do that with one of I do that with a couple of my older people where I'll do cuz it's crazy when you get someone to do a burpee and they physically can't do it like they they can put their hand down on the ground but from there they physically can't kick their legs out and from there they can't they literally can't kick themselves back up and then to stand up with it so what i found is that oh okay you can't do that that's okay let's stop right there let's do something else but in four weeks we're gonna try that again so i found that exploring different movements um, having them realize like oh i can't do that how come i can't do that i i like that i like doing that um it brings awareness to what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. And then we can work towards that. And then eventually, with more work, then they're able to do it. So I had a a couple older peeps. They weren't able to do any burpees. It's not like I love burpees or anything, but I think it is important to be able to go from a standing position to the ground and back up to a standing position. Like if we're talking about being functional That's functional So I do like to do that with certain movements um, So you really got to be careful with what you're giving people so as I said like the bullet the high intensity the ballistic movements Definitely not at the top of my priority list At the top of my priority list is strengthening their core strengthening their upper back Strengthening their hips their glutes and then making sure they can move a little better So with that being said, I like to do a lot of crawling work Um, Not not even like specifically crawling just I like to get them. I like to get everyone onto the ground Uh, Onto all fours bear crawls forward lateral bear crawls or even transitional movements As I Like uh, one of my favorite warm-ups right now is, so imagine you're standing straight, standing nice and tall. Then you put your hands down on the ground in front of your feet. You walk your hands out so that you end up in a push-up position. And then you do a slow push-up. You transition into an upward dog. And from there, you shift into a downward dog. And then from there, walk yourself back up roll up with your spine nice and slow and then arms go overhead for an overhead reach and then you do a nice back bend as well I know that was a lot but that's my favorite right now I'm just calling those walkouts I have my clients do just three of those within their dynamic warm-up we do three of those we do maybe three crab reaches per side and then we'll do like three power push-ups And then boom, we'll do two more, Uh, sorry, one more round. So two rounds total of that. So those walkouts I love a lot. Like again, as I said, I like transitioning people from the standing to the floor, getting their spine moving in different ways. And again, that's one of those things where it's an exercise but it's also the assessment. Because you would be surprised when someone walks out to the ground A lot of people struggle with that, or um, like they're not able to hold their body weight. Their shoulders aren't strong enough, their upper back is not strong enough, maybe their wrist isn't strong enough. So that's one of my tools as well. So in terms of what we can do, high intensity work, there's lots of stuff we can still do battle ropes is pretty low risk pushing the sled pulling the sled oh I forgot to mention with the sled work sled rows so you attach some uh, TRX handles or gymnastic rings to the sled you get them to step out get in a strong position and row the sled towards them I think that's great just like as a full body um, it forces them to coordinate what they're doing. They got to squat. They got to get nice and tight within the core, and then they got to pull. Then they got to step back and reset their body and do it all over again. I think that's a super high value move. And now that I say that, I also like to do sled pulls with the rope, with a long rope. So you attach a rope to the sled. Again, getting into a strong position, and you're just kind of ro- you're pulling that sled into you by with the rope. So you're getting a lot of core work, getting that upper back work, getting that grip work. Bang for the buck is the name of the game. So there are a lot of things you can do in terms of high intensity work. Uh, I found with one client, jumping jacks has been super efficient and effective in terms of getting him into shape. Uh, what, I, what I do, he started when he first started out, like 20 jumping jacks. Like we did three different variations of jumping jacks and 20 of each, like would put them on the floor. And then eventually I started, he got in. He got into better shape of course. So we started doing 30 jumping jacks, two rounds of three different variations. So that's 30, 60, 90 times two rounds, 180 jumping jacks. And then most recently we've done 50, 50, 50, three times and as he's doing it he's doing it no problem now too like he'll get tired a little because it's still a lot of jumping jacks but this is actually a warm-up now before it was like the workout it was like the finisher so now he's he can crush 450 jumping jacks as part of the dynamic warm-up not bad at all so jumping jacks I've been utilizing Um, if you have the If you're lucky enough to have an assault bike or the rower or some kind of rower in your gym, those are great options just for some high intensity work. So there are a lot of options for training elderly clients. I think you just have to be a little more careful with what you're prescribing. It's really like in my head, I'm just thinking, okay, how, what can I give this person so that they can get better, whether they can move better or whether they can get stronger or whether they can stabilize a little better. What can I give this person without hurting them, without fucking them up? So like, I want to strengthen this person's hips and glutes because they clearly need it. Am I going to give this person glute bridges? Am I going to give this person hip thrusts? Is this person ready for single leg hip thrusts? Or maybe this person is ready for some kettlebell deadlifts. Or maybe they're ready for trap bar deadlifts. So you really just have to be aware of all of the variations. That's why trying all the different kinds of variations and actually training Is so important like as a coach you actually have to train you could have all the book knowledge in the world you can know what exercise does what but if you've personally never tried it if you've personally never felt what that feels like how could you how could you help someone do that right so I found that having a strong arsenal of variations is not only helpful for my clients but also helpful for me because if I get injured in certain in a certain area I don't want to just stop working that like my knee's currently hurting so I haven't been squatting. But that doesn't mean I should stop doing legs altogether. I still need to be lunging. I still need to be um, deadlifting in some way, shape or form. Right? So The name of the game is knowing the variations, knowing as many variations as possible so that you can prescribe the right exercise at the right time. And all of the variations are just progressions or regressions of one another. So generally I'm going to start somewhere with glute bridges. I'm not going to give them like banded hip thrust right away. We'll start with glute bridges. And then we'll do a single leg glute bridge, is usually the next natural progression. Then from there, maybe I'll give them hip thrusts. And then single leg hip thrusts. And then once I kind of see that like they're getting a pretty good handle of how to control their hips, how to squeeze their glutes, where everything needs to be, then we'll add some external load. So always make sure their body weight technique is good their bodyweight technique is great and then go from there you can always add more load as you go so always err on the side of caution like I'm very cautious with not only my elderly clients but my clients in general like the last thing the worst thing you can do as a coach is prescribe something and that person does it and then they get hurt that's the worst thing that could happen why because a couple of reasons number one they're gonna get hurt getting hurt sucks it doesn't feel good so they're gonna get hurt number one number two they're not going to be able to come to the gym so you're not going to get paid so there's like that's why i always err on the side of caution number one i know what it feels like to get hurt and i don't want to put someone into that position And number two, I want my clients to show up because that will help them make progress and that will also, that's my livelihood, right? So, my biggest tip for training elderly clients is just to really be smart about it. Uh, Take your ego out of it. Like, although I'd love to see someone, some 60-year-old deadlifting with a barbell it's not the greatest thing like it's not the smartest thing to do so always just be smart about what you're doing what you're prescribing Um, make sure make sure you're on the same page in terms of goals and always just be adaptable be ready to make changes when needed because that person this, is like, this, is, this applies to everyone in general, but it applies to per- people who are recovering from an injury, maybe they're currently injured, or people who deal with lots of mobility issues. And of course, just your regular clients. Be very aware of, just be ready to adapt. Um, it's, great to have, it's great to be prepared and have a plan before you meet your client. But it's also very important to be ready to change that plan because the person who's recovering from a knee injury but still feels that knee here and there you want to know how they're feeling that day because you want to know whether you should go through with the plan okay should we do these lunges okay your knee hurts right now let's not do these lunges let's do Let's do these step ups instead. Or maybe let's just do these sled walks, sled pushes, sled drags, and we'll lunge, we'll do lunges next time. It's not a big loss. So be, be prepared, do your research, know what, know what you need to do to help the person get to where they wanna be, but also be ready to adapt. Not just physical stress or limitations, but also mental stress. Will play a big factor like if i have someone set up for a five rep max for squats but they can't come in and you can tell that they've just been crying and they're like their shoulders are rounded forward they're just like generally not showing positive uh body language and it's like okay well we're not gonna do that today because you'll probably hurt yourself and then instead of losing one day of squatting we've now lost um, three weeks of training so i hope that was able to help i hope i was able to answer your question and one last thing do the minimum dose required so like if i because now i think of it i have older relatives aunts uncles who are inactive but they want to do something. Well, they don't really actually have to go to the gym yet. Why don't you just start walking twice a day for 20 minutes? Why don't you do that? So that's like, they're still gonna, that's still gonna have some kind of training effect. It's gonna help them build their cardio system. So that's a minimum effective dose, right? I don't need need you to do a 60 minute high intensity workout if we can get away with a 30 minute walk. Or if we can get away with 30 minutes of doing some carries and dragging the sled and maybe doing some body rows and lunges like we're good so with that being said i've now arrived at carpio strength and conditioning again like i said earlier at the start of the episode if you guys ever have any specific questions or topics that you'd like me to address that helps me a lot That helps me um, have something to talk about. So, as always, I appreciate all of your support. If you guys enjoyed the episode, please drop a five-star review on iTunes, or better yet, share the podcast with a friend. That would be greatly appreciated. With that being said, I will catch you guys next week episode 32 in the books stay consistent stay patient continue to work hard peace